And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Well, it's getting colder. Santa is almost on his way. It is almost time for Christmas, but it is definitely time for the Weighing In podcast. We've got the last UFC of the year to talk about. There was some good fights in it. There was a final fight that you look at, and man, I'm glad I wasn't a judge. But when you have that kind of fight, don't be mad when you lose it to the judges. I hate to say it, Josh. We say it all the time. Put it all out there. But how are you doing, man? I know you're a little under the weather. Yeah, me and the whole family, man. We all got it. We're ripping it up right now. It's definitely flu season, and uh, I can tell you that's what I got. <laughs> Let you guys know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bear through this thing and have some fun because I'm here to fuck John up and all these Dude, guys. I am hoping that somewhere <laughs> through this, just somewhere through this podcast, you blow a fucking bubble moco out of your nose and it's just... <laughs> That's so bad, man. I got up. I got up like at four o'clock just so I could use my nasal spray, blow everything out. Took, yeah, I just did. I took get a it out of there. Try to get it all out so I could look like I'm halfway normal. Um, but first, you guys, I want to thank you guys so much for listening to us. And you guys, we've got a couple special shows that are coming up for you guys on Christmas. Yes, on we that following, do. On that following Tuesday, we've Tell got. Tell them, baby. We've got on, on Christmas Day, we are dropping AJ McKee. We had him on as a special guest, getting ready for his fight in Japan on New Year's Eve. And then that following, is it Tuesday, Dave, or Wednesday morning? It'll be Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning on that midweek show, we've also got Juan Archuleta, who is also fighting on that New Year's Eve show in Japan at the Saitama Arena. It is a blast to fight there, you guys. And this is a huge dream for a lot of fighters. A lot. And so... When you, when you see these fighters out there, you know that they took these fights because at first they want to represent their brand at Bellator. And the same thing goes for the rising fighters. But this is a dream for a lot of fighters. You, you could really say, John, that the sport was, I know it started in the UFC with the whole, I don't even know if it really started in the UFC. Like, I know it was in the UFC was a big deal, but Japan was kind of doing something like this before. And Russia's always been doing Sambo, which is very similar to this. You know, everything is, everything has changed. It really has, and it's so funny to to watch how everyone tries to change history a little bit. Like, the first UFC was November 12th in 1993, and that's where it started. Now, there was Pancrase yes. in Japan at the time. That, was, that had just started up, and it was great, but it was, there. you know, it, there was a whole lot of difference to it, and there was rules as far as rope escapes and things like that, you could, you know, if you were putting a submission, you touched the rope, oh, you had to let go of the submission and open hand palm strikes to the face. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't MMA. You can't say it was MMA, but it was a step forward towards it. And you're right. Combat Sambo wasn't the same as what Combat Sambo is today. It was different. And it has morphed because of MMA into what we see today when you look at you know, the Sambo Combat World Championships and stuff. You know, they're wearing headgear and they're wearing the combat, I mean, the uh, Sambo Gi Top. But, man, they're punching now. And they didn't used to do that. You know, it was more of the grappling. Everything's changed. But, man, look, Japan became special because of pride. And the epic shows, you know, let's just be honest. The UFC at the time didn't have the money to do the epic shows. And pride did. You know, they had Fuji TV, and man, they were making some money, and they put on some spectacular shows. Yes. Unbelievable. You had to be there to understand 
how special it was inside of that, you know, arena, whichever one it was, Tokyo Dome, Saitama Super Arena. But yeah, if you grew up watching anything like Pride, every fighter wants to fight in Japan because they they want that experience. That's what these guys are going to get. It's going to be awesome for them. Yeah, I mean, it's a... it's a big experience. I fought over there on New Year's Eve. I was the co-main event, so I fought at like four in the morning, four thirty in the morning here in the Ooh. states. But it was it was definitely a very very um, eye-opening experience as well on what to expect um, from sportsmanship from the Japanese <laughs> and understanding that you're not going to fight till the end of the night, but they get you there at 10 honor and pride. Yeah, they br- they bring you one little little uh, mat to warm up on. It's well, they're this, not and it's cheating. Like a, it's a two they're by not three cheating. mat. But they're cheating. They're making it. They're making it a little <laughs> difficult for you no, to get warmed up to do your things. Oh, you need to weigh in again. No, yeah. no, you got to weigh in again. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. You made weight. Start drinking. You got to weigh in again. <laughs> it's so funny. Some guys, some guys, you don't even know how they made weight. You're like that guy's way bigger than me. How the hell oh, did he man. make weight? Like they just get on. Oh, good. You're like what? <laughs> okay. okay. I've seen it here too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah this is very like, true. Very true. Uh, but hey, before we get started on the show, go to WayneInMerch.com. Pick up some of our new apparel. John's wearing one underneath the sweater you can't see right now because right. it is freezing Got inside his on. little studio there. Woo. As you guys can see, John is doing whatever he can to warm up that studio. He took his blinds down. That's why the sun is shining on his belly and letting <laughs> the world know that it is prominent and sticking out. There we go. Come on, baby. But uh, hey, um, but let's go ahead and get started on this show. But John, what, what do you want to start with first? Let's talk. Obviously, we're going to talk about the UFC. And uh, do you want to start with the main event? Yeah, let's, you, you got to go there because it is what it's about. Oh, I got to say that, you know what, Josh, I screwed up last time. I said the Cannoneer had beat Robert yeah. Whitaker. No, Robert Whitaker had beaten yep. Cannoneer. I just made the mistake. So everyone that was out there, my wife saw it in the comments. And she said, geez, can we, after like one or two people, the rest have yeah. to like say it. It's like, yeah, that's what they do. You know, that's no. okay. But yeah, I made that mistake. Oh, well. So, yes, Cannoneer did lose to Bobby Knuckles. Before we move on, let me talk about one of my favorite sponsors, Z-Biotics. Nowadays, when I drink alcohol, I just don't bounce back like I used to, John. You which know, is all the time. Which is all the time. When we're on the road, we're getting after them a little bit. But look, we all have busy lives the next day, whether it's working or whether it's family, whatever it is, sports with the kids, whatever it is, we all have busy days. We can't afford to sit on the couch the next day and waste that day. So, Z-Biotics is the answer we've all been looking for. Look, Josh, you know that Z-Biotics is the first pre-alcohol probiotic in the world, first genetically engineered probiotic. So it is special. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle the rough mornings that all of us have experienced after drinking. You know what I'm talking about. Unfortunately, I know what I'm talking about with this. So here's how it works. When you drink alcohol, it gets converted into what is a toxic byproduct in your gut, and it's... That byproduct that makes you dehydrated and dehydration. That's what is what is to blame for that rough next day where you're just not feeling good and uh, the headache is there. Well, Z-Biotics produ- produces an enzyme to break up this byproduct and get rid of it in your gut. It's designed to work like your liver, but in your gut where you need it the most. So just remember to drink Z-Biotics. Before drinking alcohol, you got to drink it before you drink the alcohol and drink responsibly, get a good night's sleep and drink some water. That'll really help. But you're going to feel a whole lot better tomorrow. Yeah, John, the first time I tried Z-Biotics, I was getting ready to go to a wedding. And when I was getting ready to go to a wedding, 
I knew that I was going to probably be drinking because that's what we do at weddings, right? When it's not your wedding, you're drinking a lot because it's all oh, in the right. house. And when it is your wedding, you're drinking twice as much. Twice as much. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I made sure that I drank my Z-Biotics before I went. Had a great time. Next day, didn't feel bad at all. Normally, you have a little bit of that gut feeling like you're saying. Like you felt like you either ate too much or you have like a... It just feels really weird and a little bit of a headache. I didn't have those feelings when I drank my Z-Biotics before I went out uh, to that wedding. Had a great time. Next day, didn't feel like crap. At a baby. And so if you want to feel actually good like Josh did on that night, I want you to give Z-Biotics a try yourself. Go to ZBiotics.com slash weighing in. You'll get 15% off on your force order when you use the weighing in code at the checkout. All right. So you got to make sure that you use the weighing in code at the checkout. Zbiotics is backed with a 100% money back guarantee. So if you are unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. This fight here, it kind of ended up being exactly what I thought it was going to be. Really? Sean, yeah, it really did. You know, and it was uh, the one thing that I really was, you know, uncertain about was would Sean Strickland, who does have a, actually a decent ground game, he's got decent wrestling, would he try to close the distance and change it up to make it so Cannonier had to deal with more? He did in the first round and then didn't do it after that. And the one thing that he got away from that I don't understand, and his coach was asking him, Josh, that teep to the midsection mm -hmm. is a beautiful weapon when a guy's not trying to take you down all the time. Even when a guy does it, you know, it's, it's tough sometimes to get a hold of it. <laughs> He used it early and then went away from it. And you could hear Eric Nixick saying, hey, man, I need you to do this. When he goes into Southpaw, this is what I want you to do. Sean really threw it a couple of times. And it's it's that jab to the body that makes a difference. And Cannoneer's hands were so high at times. Mm -hmm. That body was open. And Sean gets into this. He's head hunting. Mm -hmm. He's looking to, to touch that head. And, man, he had so many opportunities, in my opinion, to attack the body, to put shots on him that would have gotten him the win. And this was a very close fight. And I know people are going to be up. There's going to be people upset with it and stuff. You can't if you're either fighter. You can't be upset that you didn't you didn't yeah. get the draw because there just wasn't. You know, there were too many elements you left hanging that could have gotten you that win. Yeah, I want to start with Sean Strickland and his training. Because this is this is when fighters you were talking about head hunting a lot, which is true. The push kick was working a little bit, got away from it. Yeah. John, a lot of the times when fighters are just strictly head hunting, it's because they spar too much. And reason being is, and I'm going to give you guys, when you spar, you spar with 16 ounce gloves. So you're constantly trying to touch the head because going to the body is a lot of work. Like you go to the body, you're carrying the 16 ounce gloves. It doesn't really have an impact unless you hit it clean at the right time. All of those things. <clears throat> That's why pro boxers, right? They train with a with a purpose. And the purpose is today I'm going to go in, snap my jab, and rip the body. That's their purpose for the day. This is what I'm working on. When you spar every day or when you do this stuff all the time, you're losing your purpose. You're just going out there to spar. as almost like it's a secondary to cardio. This is how you're training. You're training basically to, to be able to go the distance in five rounds or three rounds or whatever it is. <coughs> Sorry, guys. So this is... This is what he's doing, and I saw a little bit of that when you started talking about that, too. It kind of raised the point of he needs to start training with a purpose. Sparring all the time is not going to get you that way. 
So now he's headhunting, and then he got away from the wrestling because he probably doesn't wrestle a lot when he's sparring. No. So that's the other thing. Like get, His purpose should have been, I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to wrestle for five rounds when you're sparring now. If you spar every day, you kind of get away from that because it becomes fun to hit each other. It becomes fun to talk trash to each other. It becomes fun to, to be in the mix and the clinch, and then, you know, it just it becomes fun. Sparring is supposed to be a learning experience. If you can implement what you've been doing through the week into that one sparring session or that second sparring session, whatever it is, to really fine-tune what you have learned in the week, that's what sparring is about. When you're just sparring all the time, you get away from that. And I saw that. He went back to what he is relaxed. He went back to what he he's comfortable with. Comfortable with, yeah. And that's the problem. That 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 he what didn't want to wrestle all the time because he doesn't force himself to do it during sparring. He didn't want to continue to use the tip kick because he doesn't force. It's a lot of work to use that tip kick. That was one of my favorite techniques. It's a lot of work to lift your leg up all the time and take the impact on them stepping in at the right time. Sometimes you kick the elbow. Sometimes you kick the chin. Sometimes you hit, you know, at the top of the cup or you hit the hip bone, whatever it is. It's not, it's not pleasant to use that push kick all the time. And so I saw what you saw. He got away from what he, what, what he was. Uh, he got away from what was working for him because he went into what was comfortable for him. Exactly. And you look and you go, you know, Sean is a good fighter. He really yeah, is. He is. I mean, he's got all the elements that you're looking for. First off, he takes a shot very well. He's got a good chin. I know that, you know, Pereira knocked him out. That can happen to anybody, especially when you're getting into guys that are 200 pounds, and yeah. they're 200 pounds when they walk in that cage easy. And so you look and you go, but he does. He takes a shot well. He rolls with shots well. He He manages distance very well. And it's one of the things I think that his sparring does do for him yeah. is he's so comfortable as standing right in that pocket, being right at that length where he knows I can reach out and touch you and I can use the defense that I, my role and my, my setback that I do. He uses that very well. He doesn't eat a lot of hard shots. And so he does so many things well. It's just that you're watching as the fight goes on and he's giving his opponents problems. He is, mm. but not enough problems. And he's yeah. not scoring enough with shots that you're looking and going, that was a really damaging shot. He has a couple in there, mm -hmm. but the volume just needs, if you're going to be in that you know mode that he was in, the volume has got to raise up. You've got to raise that volume and get it going. No, I agree. I think um, there's opportunities to work on your distance, which is we used to call it red room sparring, which is like where you're supposed to spar light, which usually led to like real hard sparring. But we had a room specifically for that where you would just spar... Um, light and that was how you learned your distance that's how you learned your movements that's how you worked on your lateral side to side movements you're slipping you're rolling working the body a little bit without having to worry about getting hit too hard your hard sparring which it seems like he does all the time is to work and see if you can implement what you have learned throughout that week in real action like in in that really aggressive style fighting to see i was wondering the same thing if your, yeah. if your mic had went out i said um, true and i couldn't hear it yeah i want it so <laughs> <laughs> for him, I wanted to see, like, for him, is it should be, a, hey, the intensity of getting the takedown for three rounds or five rounds and making it a, uh, making it a focus, ripping the body, using the, the tip kick, making sure that those are things, because that tip kick is a good judgment of distance. It's a longer version of the jab. And when you use that, then the guy has to step in faster. And when he steps in faster, it makes it easier to get the takedown. These are all things that he would have learned had he sparred with a purpose. 
He didn't, I didn't see that from him. And look, I'm not here to knock him. I think he's a fantastic fighter. You know, I want to also give him thanks for giving me a shout, you know, um, after what? <laughs> during the press, on the press conference. What? Talking about, I said something about he was the whole prostitute thing. Um, it was taken <laughs> out of a little bit of context. But you know what, though? He's still, at least we know he listens. Uh, but overall, look, he's a fantastic fighter. He but is. Man, he's that, so good. That being said, though, John, I can't take anything away from Cannon Air. He did his job. Yeah, he did his job. He did came out. I, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more output from both fighters. Yes, that's and the, that's why I said, and you you could take a look in the scores. The scores were forty nine forty six. I had it forty eight forty seven, but it was forty nine forty six two for Cannoneer and forty nine forty six once for Strickland. So you you're seeing the judges sitting at their you know opposing positions. They're seeing things, and it's like they're giving that view of. I think this guy, one guy's being more, you know, yeah. progressive in trying at least to, you know, do something in the fight, trying to be, you know, someone that's at least putting volume on. There just wasn't that when you looked, it wasn't like Sean Strickland was the guy stepping on the gas, putting it on Cannoneer. That's what they're looking for. And it wasn't like Cannoneer was the guy stepping on the gas, putting it on Strickland because he, he's a tough guy to hit. And so he's trying to, you know, but the intensity needed to just start to rise with each round and it did a little bit you know in a couple of them but it was yeah. a, it was a tough fight to judge it was a t and that's why i look i go man you know neither guy can complain you really can yeah. i mean uh, you both fought you fought well it yeah. wasn't that you know when you uh, yeah it wasn't that great fight you know paul Fellers. that was a great fight no, no it, it wasn't it wasn't no. it, it was it was a it was a good technical fight but there was so much more that I thought each guy could do. They left a lot of meat on the bone to be designed. Yeah. You know what exactly. I mean? Like very good expected, but considering both fighters are so normally willing to engage and strike in and get after each other, they left a lot they left a lot on the plate there for us to be like, damn, we want to see more. Yeah. But I want to see more in terms of I want to see more output. Not just not that I want to see just more of the fight. I want to see you guys get after exactly. it. Exactly. Because both of them have been known to do that. All right, good fight though overall. Um, but it wasn't a great fight. I mean, look, they fought their asses off, but when you leave it to the judges, that's what you end up with. It's a hard it's it. a learning lesson for Sean Strickland. For some of your best betting odds, go to mybookie.ag, use our promo code Wayne in, and don't tell them or just tell them that we sent you. Hopefully you guys do well at mybookie.ag. Uh yep. next fight. Armand Sarukian. Um, Jesus, John. Dude, his wrestling is so fucking good. This kid's I'm good. Man, he's good. It's so crazy. I didn't realize that his first fight in the UFC was Islam. I thought it was like his yeah. second or third fight. I didn't realize that was his intro fight, his fight. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I know they did him no favors. I know Islam was sick that week, and I'm going to continue to say that because everyone keeps talking about how Islam had a hard time with him. He had a hard time with him because Sarukian. You know why he had a hard good. time with him? Because he's good. Fucking okay. <laughs> good. Sarukian's good. Yeah, I'm like that damn. kid has got it. He does. Man, he can wrestle. He can strike. He's got a submission game. He's just he can definitely put the heat on you. And look at you can take nothing away. From Isma, uh, I gotta Ismagulov. say, Ismagulov. 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 You can't take anything away. That dude can fight too, and he can. His wrestling, his defensive wrestling at times was fantastic. Yeah, his fantastic. mat return to stand up. His mat return oh to stand God. up. It was fantastic. That's what you. If every young fighter or any fighter, period, that's exactly how you need to work on your. Don't ever just boom sit and then give a second. No, boom hit the ground, bounce back up, hands feet tripod, start working back yep. to your feet. 
he did a fantastic job in those first two rounds, and then he got tired. Yeah. And then he started slowing well, down a little bit. You can't blame. You know, and it's funny because you know people are talking about, oh, he, you know, he's trading up in the mountains. So yeah, it, someone puts enough pressure on you, and you have to work hard enough. I don't care who you are. It's it's not that you're you know you're not going to get tired. It's how you recover during the break. And he recovered, but yeah. then it was right back to that same pressure. Sarukian is. This is one of those guys. I you know I don't I don't know I don't know if you know right now. I don't think he can beat Islam, but, no. but, but Islam is what? 31 years of age right now. Uh, so I think so. He's in his prime, but how long is he going to stay at lightweight? I think he's going to be there for a couple more fights, but I do think he's going to end up somewhere along the way growing himself out, especially as he gets into the 35, 30. you know, and Sarukin will be right there. He'll be the same age as Islam when Islam won that title. Mm-hmm. Sarukian's good, man. Dude, I really enjoy watching that kid fight. He is a fantastic wrestler, but what I love is he's really utilizing his kicks. He's learned how to snap that jab. His stand-up has come a long way. Uh, he leaves himself a little bit out of position when he throws the right, but he just needs to follow up with a three and a four, whatever it is. But look, he's 25 years old, 26. 26, 26 yeah. years old. So I young. Fucking, I fucking wish I was as good as he was at that age. Damn, <laughs> this kid is... He's so damn good. I mean, just the he level is. of wrestling, the composure. You know, in that second round, I mean, a lot. Look, a lot of fighters would have gotten away from a little bit of the wrestling after all the mat returns, not being able to hold uh, Ismagulov down. A lot of them would have kind of abandoned it, and he stayed with it. He stayed with the grind. He got on it. He's like, "No, I'm going to break you this way." Started establishing some positions. And he did kept sitting him to the hip. Kept doing a lot of great things, breaking him down. It was beautifully done, and. I mean, I, I got to be honest. Dave, can you pull up the rankings? Let's look through this ranking system. I know he lost to Gamrot, but what a very, yeah. very close fight. Super Extremely close. Extremely close that was, fight. The Gamrot-Sarukian fight was similar to the, you know, strickland yeah. Cannoneer as far as it could have gone either way. You can't complain. Who did Gamrot just lose to? Gamrot just lost to somebody also. Yes, he, yeah, he did. He lost to... He lost um, to... Benil. Benil Yeah. Yeah. Nay, Benil just uh, out out scrambled him. Did a great job using the yep. the tip and the jabs and all the out scrambles. <laughs> um, but another, look, another I look guy at, that gets no credit for how good no, he is. No, no, he doesn't get any credit. But I look None. at I look at this fight right. I look at that fight. I'm like, if I was to put Sarukian versus uh, Michael Chandler, that'd be a great fight. Him and uh, Justin Gaethje, great fight. I'd love Michael to see Chan- those two. Michael Chandler don't want none of Sarukian, dude. He don't want that fight. That's a great fight, but let's go a little bit. Let's go a little bit higher. So let's let's put her maybe with Faziv. That's a dangerous fight, but I believe he can win that fight. You know what I mean, John? I mean, Faziv is hard to take down. He's got some good elbows. Not if you rest. Not if you rest like Sarukian. Yeah, tricky on the feet. But I'm not going to rule Faziv out because he's explosive, fast. I would not. I would not rule him out either. His his stand up is fantastic. But he has been taken down, and you take a look at the skill level of Sarukian's wrestling. Yeah, I'm telling you, that dude is good. If you were if you were the UFC at 20, he's 26 years old. If you're the UFC, are you looking to match him up against someone like RDA to yeah. try to build him a little bit more, Absolutely. give him a name? Absolutely, I think so How too. But but I mean, like, does RDA take that fight? Does RDA take that fight? Yeah, I don't know. Well, RDA's last fight was where? It wasn't that freaking... Uh, it was at 70. Lightweight, it was a 170. Is he going to yeah. continue to do that? 
Interesting. I want to see if it, I want to see if they end up trying to match that fight or whatever. But it should be good. I like well, RDA. RDA Fazeed. was calling out, you know, Connor, as is oh, yeah. Chandler. Everybody Two guys does. that you think match up well with uh, Surikin. So we'll see. Yeah, Connor's not even in the rankings anymore. So, well, I wonder if he's still in the testing pool. If you're not in the rankings, he's still in the testing pool. He looking. He's looking big. Looking, he's looking talking big. 185 now. Man, that science diet. <laughs> Uh, next fight. Uh, our Amir Albazi versus Alessandro Costa. Costa coming in last minute. Very tough. Tough young fighters. He's good everywhere. You just look and you go that you know Albazi has got he's got good stand up. His stand up is clean, it's sharp. His wrestling is actually really good. He puts good pressure on people. He just broke Costa down. He just systematically said, look, I'm just going to go out there. I'm going to see what you have. I'm going to you know, put some pressure on you. And from that point, one, after round one, once I see it, I'm going to start to come. Yeah. And that's what he did. And, and he put on a, a great performance you know, against a guy that is a really good fighter, didn't have a lot of time to prepare mm -hmm. for that fight because he was like a fourth or fifth replacement mm -hmm. for Al Bazi. And uh, you know, Al Bazi, <laughs> you know, actually said that saying you know hey thank you so much for you know taking this fight because you know when you're that fighter and you're training and all of a sudden you the your opponents start falling out sucks because you don't know yeah. where you're going what you have and you're training for nothing at that yeah. point it sucks so very nice job by albazi though he you know just dominated the fight and he got the finish and, and you got to look and say man that's what you're supposed to do yeah in that position he did it and he looked good doing it Albazi's having kind of the same problem that Sarukian and Ismagulov are having. Yeah. Is that they ha they can't get fighters to fight them. And I think on the UFC's part, when it was Joe Silva, that they were making, Joe was letting you be known that if oh, you're not taking you. these fights, yeah, he if you're not taking you. these fights, yeah. cool. I'll have you yeah. fight unranked guys for a long time now. Go, yeah. You're taking this fight. Now, I don't know how Mick and how Sean do it, <clears throat> but... um. I think that that I think that Albazi is going to have the same type of problem. He's going to he's he's very dominant, good wrestling, good on the feet, very aggressive. Um, I just look at how Sarukian and Ismagulov are having to go through jump through hoots. They had to fight each other because no one wants to fight them. Yeah, they're like, yeah. If you were to offer them to the the, the guys that are ranked ahead of them, they're like, oh no, that's too tough of a fight. A lot of that comes from like remember that doesn't come from, but it reminds me a lot of uh, Antonio McKee, AJ McKee's dad. Oh yeah. No, nobody wanted nobody to fight. Nobody wanted him. to fight Antonio. Yeah, it's like, I was I'm not going to get enough you know praise no. for, if, when I beat him and if I lose to him, which is a good possibility cuz this son of a bitch in certain areas is fucking good. Yep. I ducked that motherfucker 3 or 4 times at least. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Man. "Hell no. We were supposed to fight in King of the Cage, I think Ultimate Athlete. I even think the WEC we were talking about us fight. I believe it was, but I know for sure King of the Cage and the Ultimate Athlete. We were supposed to fight, and then uh, the UFC had called me, and I was like, "I'm I'm out, dude. See you later, man. I ain't fighting See you. Later. Yeah. <laughs> See you Come later, on. buddy. You stay here. <laughs> yeah, we weren't. We, I wasn't having that nonsense. So, but Albazi, extremely tough. He did what exactly what he was supposed to do. Uh, Costa, good job on you, man. I know you lost by by you know KO or whatever knockout TKO whatever it is, but um. But it, it takes a lot for for a young fighter to step up and realize what they're getting themselves into, and he did a great job. I mean, like he was he was just kind of a little bit out of class, unexpected, like unexpected to deal with the strength, the wrestling, all those things. 
And Abazi fought a very smart fight. Kept yep. him in his wheelhouse, controlled the position, laid down some leather, came back up. Good posture, laid down some leather, went back down. He did a great job of controlling where the fight went. Yep. Uh, Alex Caceres versus Juliana Rosa. Talk to me. Bro, I got to be honest, man. He looked good, but I know he just took the page out of my book, man. You got to throw the straight hand, then throw the head kick right after. That was straight out of my book. Josh Thompson, Nate Diaz. No. <laughs> no. I'm sorry. You're you're mixing up the Thompsons. There's a guy named no, no. Wonderboy Thompson. Yeah, he does yeah. that shit. He yeah, does yeah, that yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does. He does. It was he did it very impressively as well. But I mean, you know, yes, he mine did. mine was a little bit better. But whatever. <laughs> but you know, seriously, this was you, nice, you John. A, you take a look. There's you know that combination which we Josh normally in in any type of training situation, no trainer teaches you to to throw a punch on the on one side and then a kick following it up on the same side. Trained it all You're the time. Of, what's trained that? it all the time. I trained it all the time. You're out of balance. It's not an easy thing to do. It takes, you know, a certain skill set to be able to make that thing work. But, you know, it's no different. You, you can you can even look back at, you know, uh, when Leon Usman. Edwards. Yep. No, Usman when Leon Edwards threw that, you know, he actually threw that same side, but he was doing it more of he was feigning with that hand going out, not really mm-hmm. just trying to get the reaction. He got the reaction, brings it up on the same side. Wonder Boy actually would go after trying to hit you with that hand. Same as Caceres mm-hmm. here. He tried to yeah. hit him with that left hand and then followed it up with the left high kick, and it just landed perfectly. Yeah, there's differences. So with Leon, right? Leon had thrown the straight left and then didn't throw the head kick pretty much. It was just basically waiting Throughout. to see. Yeah, yeah, and then waiting to see how much Usman was parrying that punch over too much. Yeah. And he just he threw it up as a last resort. Like, hey, I haven't thrown it all fight. I'm going to throw it now. And that's kind of how you set that up. Caceres will throw the punch for real. Left himself a little bit out of position. So your opponent's actually thinking, I'm going to hit right. you. And he's looking at your face like, I'm ready to hit you. He doesn't even see the kick coming. He has, Caceres was more set up, more like Steven Thompson. Yes. Steven Thompson actually landed the shot. And as he lands the shot, the, the punch actually blinds him. And the kick comes over the top. So you, as I'm pulling my hand back after punching you, the kick lands beautifully timed. Mine with Nate. Mine was I had gone to the body quite a bit in his in that fight. I had thrown the straight right to the body quite a bit. And he was dipping that way to kind of drop his elbows into block. And that's why I threw mine. So that last one, I actually just fainted the body shot and threw the head kick so I could throw more power behind it. Because it had worked a lot throughout the first round. Mm-hmm. I landed it twice in the first round. And then I, I didn't throw it at all until the end of the second. And so it was more like getting his reaction, getting his reaction, and getting him to forget about it, and then coming back to it at the end of the second round. People don't realize how how much this is a mind fuck. You need to oh. really, you need to really strategize, play what's going on in your uh, in your mind. What are you working on? What are you seeing from them? Setting things up, and to get to the, I mean, look, just to get to the highest level, whether it's UFC, Bellator, Ryzen, PFL, whatever it is, to get to these to get to these big shows. You've got to be really damn good. You've got to be good at just, yeah. I mean, John, like this, this is not a fucking easy sport, man. And all these guys, all of them and females, all of them that are in these top shows, I give you guys a ton of praise. You guys are fucking dogs, man. You guys are awesome. You guys are doing a great job. It's great to see this many fighters in being active, but to be that good, they have to have done all these mind tricks in the, in the game. You know, the Manel Cape fight, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but all the, the crossover, the movements, all those things, it's annoying sometimes to watch. 
It's a little showboating, but it does fuck <laughs> with your opponent. It makes their mind go, man, I'm getting pieced up right now, and this guy's out here fucking around. It's a mind fuck. A lot of what goes on in that cage is mental. If I can get into your mental and start getting you to doubt yourself, man, it, it, you can change the, the game real quick. So I, that's what I kind of saw in, in, with these with a lot of these fighters is they're learning how to set things up. And before it was really just come out and throw as hard as you can and fight like Sean Strickland. You know, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Sean. He's a fucking no. fantastic fighter. But just Caceres, you could tell that stylistically, that was something he's thrown quite a bit. He's thrown it in training. He's thrown it in sparring. He left. He left. He knew he was out of position. Fuck it. Yep. Let's just throw the head kick up there up. and see what happens. I, I've been here before. That That's something you but do over and over. It is something you're going to see guys starting to work at because they're seeing that oh, it works. Yeah. yeah. It's not an easy thing to do. You know, and, and that's my whole point. And that's why I was you know, jo- you know joking with you. Hey, it takes time to be able to work on that and make it actually so you can throw that kick, have some power on it also, yeah. and have balance because balance is everything when it comes to fighting. If you don't have the balance, you can throw it up. Yeah. It's not going to have any fucking power on it. It was a beautiful knockout and a big win by Alex Caceres. I love that. I thought diff- it was just this is This is the difference, though, John. He threw it off the straight left and then, th- and then threw the, the head kick right after. That mm-hmm. works wonderful for southpaws against... Um, Yes. Against the Orthodox, right? Because they're dipping normally to that side. So the same thing with me. I was conventional and Nate is southpaw. I threw the body shot and then came back up to the top of the head. It works well. That's the best way I feel like if you want the knockout to set it up and get it. But what is drastically underused is the jab. If you can start getting a good jab and getting them to parry real hard, throw the jab and follow with a hard uh, lead leg head kick. Look, when you're hitting the head, when you're hitting the chin, you don't need to kick it hard. No, nope. it doesn't take much. People, well, spe- people think you got to load with it up. a kick because look at the leg yeah. is heavy. Yep, you know there's a lot of torque getting it up there, but it, it lands heavy. Doesn't take a lot. <laughs> you just need to time it perfectly when they parry and dip their head to the outside, like how Usman did with Leon. The yep. kick comes right after, and they're not expecting it. They're actually opening the window and putting their head right out as the pole hits your face. That's kind of what they're doing. It's like. Yeah. They don't see it coming, They're and it's ducking perfect right into timing. It. Yeah, just coming off that lead leg, and that's kind of what uh, Stephen Thompson did. He threw the jet, he threw the right hand, and then threw the the lead leg head kick over the top. Mm-hmm. That's beautifully done. Not a lot of fighters do that, and I'm surprised. Is you just got to set it up, letting the letting the jab like Sarukian would be perfect at it because he's got such a great jab. Just bap, stiff jab, stiff jab. Then they start pairing that jab harder, and their head moves to the other side, and just set up that head kick. Something to think about if you guys are in training and you guys want to try something new. Mid-holders, right. just, yeah, mid-holders just pop, pop like that real easy. Mm-hmm. Just like hold it here for the jab, then hold it here real quick for the head kick, and it's beautifully set up. Next fight. Drew Dober versus Bobby Green. I love Jeez. this fight. Man, it was good, and it was good for so many reasons. It's the way they competed. You know, Bobby talks a lot. He talks I love a lot. It. You know, but he, he, he's, not, he's not shit-talking when he's no. in the cage. I can tell you that. What he's telling you is, you missed. Oh, yeah. that hit my shoulder. Dude, come on. Not even close. You know, he just sits there I and he fucking. Shit. <laughs> I fucking but hate it. John, I, I, fucking think, hate I think it. Drew Dober hated it too because yeah. you could see he got frustrated in that mm-hmm. first round when he couldn't hit him. And he made, some, he made some very good tactical changes getting into that second round. Bobby Green is a, a, a very difficult style for MMA guys to deal with because he's different. You know, he's that Stephen Thompson, you know, a mm-hmm. different style. And Bobby does it with, you know, not uh, 
a karate stance or anything. He's sometimes he's square in front of you and you look and you go, all right, that's just odd. It's not what we normally see. And he's got his hands down at his side. Bobby in the beginning that that first round went to Bobby Green. Oh, no so doubt about it. I mean, he definitely was one sided first round, dude. Definitely he was one side. He was piecing Drew up, you know. And like I said, I thought Drew made some very nice adjustments as far as the second round, in that he crushed that space six inches, and it made a big difference for him. Big yeah. difference in his ability to actually make Bobby have to react differently, and that in the end is what got him. The, you know, the shot. You know, I, I heard people say there was an early stoppage. It was Mm-mm. not. No. If you watch okay. if you watch from the side angle watch on the, the right side. the way he side, fell. That wasn't just the way he fell. His eyes were basically gone. He was glazed <laughs> up in the sky going, fuck, what happened? Yeah, he was out. He was out. Yeah. You watch um, his hands and where they're at and everything. That was a great stoppage. It was yeah. a great knockout. Don't take anything from Drew Dober. No. Drew Dober came in there. He fought a beautiful fight. I love his attitude. You know, he comes in just to, you know, he wants... He wants to take on good guys. He wants to take on guys that excite him. He wants to take on styles that he think matches up well with his style as far as it'll be an exciting fight. And you can't blame him for that because, man, when it, when it happens, he's putting on great performances. Yeah, that's that's the thing, though, John, is that I went through this little bit of a problem when I came from Strike Force to the UFC, is, and, and I've, said, I've talked about this before, is that I didn't get the fights that I wanted. I wanted the Cowboy yeah. Cerrone. I wanted the Anthony Pettis. Those are the fights that everyone said that like they That's were dreaming to see. Because you were a foreigner, you you left them. Yeah, but they no, no, no. But I, I know, but I wanted those fights because that's all people I know talked did. about. That's all people talked about. And fighters, they they get motivated by the person that people always compare them to, or they want. You know, stylistically, you know, it's going to be a great fight. Those were the guys that I wanted to fight. Never got offered those fights ever, and it was really upsetting. I was actually supposed to fight RDA, which he he kind of motivated me at the time because he was about to make his run. And um, I really was looking forward to that fight. And then they pulled me from that fight, and I was supposed to fight Pettis for the title because uh, Grant, uh, what was his name? TJ Grant. Grant. TJ Grant. TJ Grant. Um, he got hurt or he had a concussion or something. Um, but look, he wants to fight the best fighters that match up stylistically with him for fun fights because that that excites him. That gets him yep. into the gym every day. Yep. And I wish I wish the UFC would look at that more like, hey, who would you really like? I'm not saying I'm going to give you these fights. But who are some top fighters that you would like to fight that you think you match up well with? And when you ask those fighters, they're probably going to give you some of the top list guys. But, I mean, stylistically, it makes for a great matchup. And as a promoter, you should look back and go, you know what? Bobby Green and Drew Dober make for a fucking great fight. And it was a fantastic fight. Bobby Green, like you said, is someone who stylistically is very hard to deal with. You know, um, I had a hard time with him when I fought him. It was just awkward. Uh, he was faster than I thought. Um, his yeah. hands were a little bit heavier than I thought too. I thought he was a powder puffer when I, and uh, no, he's got a little bit of he's got a little bit of heat behind it. Um, he switches stances a lot, and the, the talking to me really bothered me because I wanted to fight and he wanted to talk. That yep. shit bothers that, that shit bothers the shit out of me. Um, you know, but that he's a, he's a hard fighter. But what Drew Dober did in the second round, now I don't know if his corner because I wasn't listening, but they did they squashed the space. And when you're fighting someone like a Bobby Green, you got to fight him in a phone booth. Because stylistically he rolls, but he doesn't really, he throws the uppercut still from far away. He doesn't throw it really tight all that well. Uh, but he's got good boxing, but it's not, it's not like, it's not great inside a phone booth. And once he put his back to the fence, he got himself stuck. He normally circles out and turns and puts your back to the fence. Yep. In that one scenario, 
Uh, he kept himself against the fence a little too long. He got clipped with that left hook. Beautifully done. Um, Drew Dover looked, he looked like shit the first round. That but he, well, found, he, he made some changes in the so, second. Sometimes it takes you, you know, a, a good round to yeah. try to figure out what you need to do against this guy. And yeah. you know, he took he took a lot of damage and a lot of big shots. You got to give it to him. The kid's got a chin. What I man, what he I, took some big shots at times. He did, he did. But man. John, what you like? I just talked about Walking the mental of all this. I just talked about the mental of this. How mentally tough do you have to be, like a Drew Dober, to get just pieced up in the first round? And the second round, come out there and make those changes, and start start trying to take over the fight. That's a yeah. that that that's if you guys are listening, like think about that Not the next time thing. you yeah think about that the next time you see somebody just getting owned, whether it's boxing or wrestling or taking that like, and then come back and just have a remedy for it in the second round. He started crushing the space. He slipped in through heavy shots, and then he got out, or then he came kept pushing him backwards to the fence. He did a great job in the second round. He still got hit with a lot of shots because he doesn't know sure. how to move his head offline. But he's a, he's still a fantastic fighter. He's a fun fighter. What I also yeah. noticed, he doesn't lose a lot of his steam off of his shots. Even in that second round, after all those shots he took in the first, and as he came out, he was fighting at a high pace. They were both fighting at a high pace. Yep. And he still had a lot of pop on his punches, tons of pop and fast and speed and getting in. I was like, damn, bro, you're a gamer, dude. You, you train this. You train this nonstop to be able to, have the output that you have uh, in this end of the second round. Fantastic fight. We talked about this being probably one of the fights of the night, and it definitely and it lived was. up to it. Definitely lived up to the potential. Definitely yep. lived it up. It's fantastic. All right, <laughs> here we go again. Mikhail Olajczyk. Olajczyk. I didn't want it. Yeah. Just Mikhail. <laughs> Brundage he, uh, just didn't fight look against good. Cody Brundage. It went. You know, I don't want to say it went exactly like I thought. I thought that Cody would be shooting for takedowns in this. He did, you know, uh, but it was more of that Mikhail kind of fell into something, didn't stop it, but he reversed the position, and from that point, never was on his feet, but this yeah. is the whole thing with Mikhail. The guy's got power, mm. you know, and on the ground, dude, he hurt Cody with those shots, mm. you know, and uh, just how the whole thing ended up working out, this is exactly what I thought in the end. Not that I don't think Cody Brundage is a good fighter. He is. He's got good wrestling, and he's really come into his own in the stand-up. It's just there's those guys that have that. They don't look like anything. Man, they look like, you know, yeah, it looks like your average everyday guy that works the grocery store, but they have a power that you just don't understand until it touches you. Mm-hmm. And that is Oleg Jekic, or say his mm-hmm. name right. That, that's who he is, and I've seen it in too many fights with him, and the dude can fight. There's something about yeah. that. That is Polish power. <laughs> when Brundage, it, when you're when you're known for your wrestling and your stand-up's getting a little bit better, bro, just turn your back and get up. Like I don't even know what to say. You should never be on your in your guard like that. Guard I mean, don't like get me that. wrong. I know. Go to go to Brundage. He had like a come from behind submission, I believe, just He's as of recently. He had a great. Uh, I think he had a great submission win. Which one was it? KO punches. Maybe it was well, he knocked out no. no guillotine. Sean Gore. Yeah, the Lung Lungambiola. Yeah, yeah. He ended up getting a submission in that. Yeah, in that guillotine. But he had got dropped. I think going into that, I can't remember what fight it was. Anyways, but you can't be you can't be off of you can't be off of your back as a wrestler. You got to be looking to scramble, get back to your feet. You need to watch a lot of what uh, Ismogulov does. Hit the ground, pop back up. All of those things. Just give up a little bit of position. 
to get back up. You're the wrestler, man. Be the dominant wrestler. Grind on him. Hang on him. Do all those things. Utilize your best weapon. And he wasn't doing that. He was comfortable just off of his back. And that's when bad things happen. When yeah. you're when you're good enough when you're when you think you're good enough to be with the top guys in certain positions that you don't you're not really good at is when you get in the most trouble. You know, thinking they, oh okay, I got a good jab or I got a good right hand. You start standing with these guys that are fucking Canelo like, thinking that you can spar with them. Well, let me just tell you, you can't. So you got to be careful with those guys. They have good top pressure, good ground and pound, hit hard. I mean, you can't be out there, you can't be on your back as a wrestler. That's not where you're born. You weren't born to be there. Yeah. So he's got to remember that. Uh, next fight. Corey McKenna against Cheyenne Vlismas. Little little Corey McKenna. <laughs> and people can say whatever they want about her. Little little sucker can fight, man. <laughs> she's tough. You know, she's got she's tenacious in the stand up. She's got like a reach about this big. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's nothing there as far as, you know, she's got to get on the inside. She does that very well. She she's a good dirty boxer up against the cage. She uses her head position really well. She creates, you know, pressure that makes her opponent go to the direction she wants her to go. And then when it hits the ground, she's good, man. She, you know, she lands clean shots and everything. I thought Cheyenne throughout the fight was you're wanting her, you're wanting your opponent to fight a different fight. Of course you are, because that's the fight that'll help you win. But you've got to stop what she's doing. And a couple of times in there, I'm like looking and saying, you're not doing the right things to stop what she's doing. If, if you want to be in the stand-up, then utilize your footwork and move and start to create, you know, hit her as she's coming. You got you to gotta touch her and move. Use your footwork. And she would sit there and she would sink down, set her feet, try to land a big shot. Not an easy thing to do it that way. Yeah, McKenna did. She, McKenna lost the first round. And she came back after the first round and she made the adjustments. Yep. She realized that she couldn't win standing on the feet. And she got, I think at the end of the first round, she ended up on bottom, I believe. And so she didn't want to be there either. And then the second round, second and third round, she made the adjustments. She pressed her to the fence, got some takedowns, controlled the top position, kept her pressed against the fence, dirty boxer, smart, fight IQ. Get, do whatever it takes to win. You know, I mean, even cheat. <laughs> like, fuck, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Fuck, get after it. But she, um, she made the adjustments. Is she with Alpha Male? Because I saw yes. I saw Uriah there. So is yeah, she with Alpha Male? She is. Yeah, I mean, like, and and obviously Uriah is a good coach. He's a good fight. He was a fantastic fighter. Um, but you look at those. You got a good. They got. She had someone really experienced in her corner to make those adjustments, and she just had to go out there and and uh, and get it done. So good job on her. Next fight. Beautiful fight. Love this fight. Fantastic yeah. pace and pressure. And both guys going after it. Saeed and Nurmagomedov going no, up against. No, skipped one. Skipped one. No, oh, Jake did. Matthews. Oh, did. Well, this was a good fight, too. <laughs> but I really, I love the Nurmagomedov fight, so I got excited. Okay. Matthew Semmelsberger, the semi-Jedi against Jake Matthews. I was really surprised by this. I thought Jake I Matthews so. was the better fighter overall. And I'll tell you what. Semmelsberger put him down three times with shots. And once once. Once that first one happens, and then the yeah. second one, you know, yeah, he's yeah. diminished. Um, I thought Jake fought as hard as he could fight. I think it was a, it was a good battle between the two. I was really surprised that Semmelsberger was the guy laying the knockdowns. I thought yeah. I like Semmelsberger. I watched him. I think he's a fun fighter. I watched. I think he's got power. I thought Jake had reached a level in the stand up that it was going to make it tough yeah. for Semmelsberger. 
Didn't really happen. <laughs> I thought so too, because Matthew's last win was against uh, Fialo, right? Yep. Yeah, so I was expecting him to have a better uh, showing on the feet. He just didn't find the range. I think that no. Semmelsberger was, uh, he just had the pop. He was throwing the straighter punches. He was getting there first. He was more explosive. And Jake didn't have the answer. I was surprised there wasn't more takedowns from Jake trying to get to that top position, trying to, you know, get to submissions, whatever it was. I was really surprised that he didn't try to change the game plan as he went along. So kind of upsetting because you're coming off of a great win, and then you come in and you lose like that. You, know, you got dropped one time in each round. Yeah. That's, frust that's frustrating. You got dropped three oh. times but one time in every round. And look, he, the, that first one, he was mm -hmm. seriously hurt. Yeah. Second one, he was he was hurt. Third one, not quite as much, I don't think, but it means all of them hurt him. But they, he just was diminished from that point going on. So, yep. Next fight. Uh, all right. Nirmagomedov versus. Go ahead, John. You can talk about it now. You can talk about it now. This fight. Thank you. <laughs> Monoff. <laughs> Karan Monoff. Man, you got to love the pressure that Karan Monoff put on Saeed in this because Saeed, you know, normally. He likes to be in the stand-up a little bit, uses his wrestling off of that. He didn't have a choice. He was in a wrestling match. He was in a grappling match, and he was yeah. losing a lot of it as far as the positioning and stuff. He was he went after the, the guillotine choke early. Yeah. He had it at one point. He did have it, and he lost it. Tried to change his hands on it. Didn't work for him. You got to give you know, him credit for just hanging in there because this pace mm. was impressive. Unbelievable, Josh, how much pressure Kadramanov was putting on him. You know, that takes a ton of energy. It takes a ton of talent to do. And it takes a ton if you're Nemagomedov to be the guy that's having that and just stay calm. And then he ends up catching him in the, you know, at that point, you know, they called it a fucking guillotine choke in the goddamn broadcast. It drove me crazy. Well, they got it right but, here on the, in the, yes, the thing, they did. The ninja choke. Thank God, but just drove me. I was like, "Do you do you not see where his hands are placed?" But it was a beautiful submission by Nurmagomedov to end that fight, and he was tired. He was getting yeah. worn down. Yeah, Kakramanov, 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 or it's yeah, actually Akramanov. Akramanov. Okay. Akramanov. He fought. He looked fantastic. He was controlling. He was dominating the position. Against uh, Saeed Nurmagomedov, he was controlling every aspect of that fight. He put his head in the wrong space for too yep. long and got caught. I mean, honestly, John, this fight was not going Saeed's way. There was Ooh. he had some good, a couple little exchanges on the feet, but he really, for most part, was stuck. He was he was being defensive the whole time. I was like, wow, this is this was eye opening for me because I was expecting Saeed to have a little bit. I know he's real flashy on the feet, a lot of sidekick, more of that Taekwondo style. Uh, yep. Sambo style fighter, kind of you know Dagestan style fighter, um, but he looked good. He looked fantastic. Um, never gave up. But Kokranov or whatever it was just he came. He came to fight. He really came to dominate that position. wasn't gonna let the the hype of Saeed get to him. He fought a fucking great fight, but he just made one mistake, and that's all it takes. Yeah. That's, that's I mean, it. you look at what you look at what Bobby Green was doing. Bobby Green was piecing up Dilber. He was winning that fight. Nope. Clip made one mistake and boom, fight's over. That's right. So good fight though. I'm looking forward to seeing both of them back in there. Yep. That bantamweight is stacked, man. Oh, that bantamweight is division is stacked. I mean, they're so deep. Yeah. It's in crazy. That division. 
Yeah. You, know, you were you were you were talking about you know I, I look at uh you know old old style MMA and, and in the old times it was it's kind of like a mountain and you can take a look at a mountain in Southern California Northern California anywhere in this in the states for the most part when it hasn't been snowing for a while but there's that cap mm-hmm. on top of the mountain of that snow cap that's on top that was the way it was in old MMA because you had you had a lot of fighters but. You only had this cap of guys that were the top that you go, yeah. Now it's like you, it's like looking at a mountain in the freaking Arctic. It's just covered with snow everywhere. Yeah. There's so many good fighters <laughs> out there. It's crazy the depth yeah. of today. Yeah, it's nuts. I mean, it's really the sport's kind of really taken over. It's really kind of grown to the point where <clears throat> we've got more fighters, which is so important. That's why we need to have more promotions. Yep. That's really what it comes down to. Look, I've, I've had too many good of, fighters. Yeah, too many. I mean, I've I've had plenty of conversations with managers, with other fighters, with uh, gym owners, trainers, saying, "Man, we can't get guys fights because the, we have guys that are top level guys that are beating up some of our guys that are in the UFC and Bellator, but they, we can't get them signed. They don't yeah. have room. They don't have room. So the more promotions, the better. You know, that's really what it comes down to. I mean, sure, you're gonna have your top one, two, and three. But <clears throat> to having more promotions is always better, just so these fighters stay active so we can see this sport grow. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> All right, next. All right, Rafa Garcia against Machate Hayaser. Mm-hmm. Rafa Garcia, tough dude. <laughs> he, he took some shots in this thing. That's crazy. He he's took good. some shots. Yeah, he's yeah, coming. Come you, know, you got to figure. He comes, you know, after training with Cub Swanson, and that's his... Uh, his guy and Cubs, the guy that brought him into the UFC. Obviously, you know, what Cubs saw when he was training is what, you know, we saw from this fight because this was, these guys didn't like each other, man. Mm. It was kind of, it was that they didn't want to stop. Mm. I kind of like that. I like when they don't want to stop, man. That's you know good. I, you know what I noticed when, when Garcia came into the sport, he took the fight on short notice. That was his first fight in the UFC. He took it on short yeah. notice. I can't remember against who, but it was a tough fight. He ended up losing. But good fighter, super aggressive. But what I've noticed, though, is because he's been able to get signed by the UFC and he's they knew that he did him a, they, he did them a favor by taking that fight on short notice and still put on a great fight, is that his body has changed. He physically looks a lot more imposing now. His shoulders are higher. His yeah. back is more, more defined. Oh, I saw some abs poking through. He looked a little chubby in the first fight. And then as he's fought every fight, he's got a little bit more gristled up which means he's taking his training a lot more serious. It's funny how that'll happen when you're actually getting paid. You know, and so he, I got to give him a lot of credit, man. He took that big cut. Apparently, he was in the hospital for almost two hours because they couldn't get the bleeding to stop. Really? Yeah, because the, it hit an artery in his head. Yeah. So, but uh, just a, a just a dog. A lot of, like, that, that goes to show that it doesn't always tell the pitcher who's ever got the most blood or whoever's bleeding yeah. the most and who's winning the fight. No, so but uh, he definitely good, won the fight. But it was it was it was a fun fight to watch. As yeah. far as there was an intensity between the two, they didn't like each other, and it actually made it. Sometimes that doesn't work. Yeah, it it makes for a bad fight because you don't want to lose. Yeah, because I don't like this guy, and so I don't want to. I don't want to take big chances. And in this one, they were they were going after it. So enjoyed it. It was a good fight by Rafa. I didn't realize how much Rafa he can wrestle, man. He's yeah. got some good wrestling. I didn't know he. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, like I thought he was more of just like more of a stand-up guy. I mean, that guy can wrestle. He had oh, great, no. some great yeah. single leg dumps. He had some great takedowns. Yeah. I was like, okay, okay, I see you, boy. I see you. So, anything else on here, John? You want to talk about? 
Ah, that was about yeah. it. And, well, the other ones went to sit. They were okay. Yeah. I thought Manal Cape had some uh, some moments. He had that Kimura that was really good. Yeah. You know, um, got the win. He did what he was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the, in the in those, man, especially if you're in that, you know, front preliminary, man, you got to go. You got to go yeah. for it in times. And there's times where I'm watching guys and it's like, yeah, they're fighting, but you're being cautious. Got to yeah. go. You got to take a chance here. Yep, with Manel, man, like with Manel Cop, he just he should have he could have let the gas tank go and he would have won that fight. He could have got him out of there. He mm-hmm. just didn't. He was just out there doing the crossover. Yeah, and, so and he getting, knew he was winning. Yeah, but still, when you leave guys in the fight for that know. long, when you're leaving, when you're leaving another fighter in there for that long, anything can happen. You know, you yeah. can ask Bobby Green. When you allow them to linger around, it's true. John, that's true. true. You're absolutely when right. You allow these guys to linger around. There's there's always that one punch opportunity. So you gotta be careful doing that with uh, Manel. All right, let's uh, let's get into some news there, John. Podcast Dave, what you got Come for on, us, buddy? Dave. All right, let's hop on over to the first story here. Um, oh, look at this one. I'm sure, John's gonna have some comments here. <coughs> uh, California sets a new rule. Andy for, Foster's um, gonna hate me. No, it's all right. <laughs> I love Andy. Andy knows um, we love him. We yeah, love Andy. I do love John. Him. You you want to touch on this, John? Sure. Let's talk Please. about it. So uh, you got you got I, I didn't I, there you go I didn't see the headline of it California sets new rule for traveling combat sports judges after recent Doug Crosby controversy <sighs> and what they're doing is they're saying well what you know and what's what I talked about on our last podcast look I made a living off of traveling you know I was a, dude I was doing Josh you figure three hundred to three hundred fifty thousand air miles that's a lot of traveling in a year. You know, and are you a million but, miler on how many on how many airlines are you a million miler? Two. Jeez, man, that's crazy. <laughs> You're insane. So, but you know, you look at this and you and you say Andy Foster, who is probably the very best of the executive officers in charge of an athletic mission. He's very, uh, you know, very smart. Comes from a fighting background. He fought well when he was young. You know, he's he was more of a jujitsu guy who ended up fighting, and he even fought for Bodoc. You know, in, uh, in the Costa Rican coastline, which is a great place to fight. There's just no fans there, but um, it, they've come up with this now that oh, we're now not going to allow judges to either judge someplace other than California and come into California. If it's not at a distance as close as Nevada, Nevada is what they've said is, and and look, this is all. I hate to say, it, oh, there's there's a reason for why they said Nevada because Andy knew that. Oh, I'm screwing over Jeff in certain. Jeff Mullins is the executive director of Nevada. I'm screwing over Jeff if I do this. So we're going to now make this rule based upon what occurred with the controversy and Doug Crosby, we're going to make this rule that we're not going to allow people to work two shows back to back Friday, Saturday, you know, if you travel more than the distance of California to Nevada. Okay. Let's take a look at this just in reality, because you're saying that it's too much for your officials. Okay. Well, the Patty Pimlet fight is, you know, the fight that most people are looking at and they're saying they didn't like what, you know, the scores from 
the judges on that. It was a close fight, Josh. Let's just be honest about it. It yeah. was not like, oh, this was a runover fight. This was a very close fight. Mm-hmm. Okay, I had Jared Gordon winning, but I can understand where someone can look and, and believe that Patty won. But it wasn't. It wasn't that fight. It was the bad score. It was yeah. the Rafion Stotts Sabatello fight. Well, that was his first fucking fight. So he was fresh for that one. He didn't travel <laughs> that distance or have a, oh, he was thinking about other things. Oh, my God, he's tired. That was the shit fight. <laughs> so now we're going to say, what, you can't, well, all right, we're not going to give you the first fight. We're going to give you, it's, this is really, what is it doing? It's not doing anything. I it's love actually, Andy. Yeah. He's a, He's awesome. All it's doing is now you're you're making it to where officials you need more <laughs> officials, which you're not going to get now. Which you're not going to get now, and so now you're going to be putting lesser officials sometimes into those seats. You know, just you know, <laughs> I don't know how to say it. Quit licensing people that you know shouldn't be licensed. Listen yeah. to other people that tell you don't license that person. They don't know what they're looking at instead of taking away job assignments from people that actually do know what they're looking at. Yeah, what you're going to run into, John, and you said a, a little bit there, is that the the fight, what you just punished all the other judges and refs. Is refs included into this? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, have to be. Okay, so then refs are included, which means now you're going to lose some of your top refs. Oh, yeah. So some refs that work in, you know, in Connecticut or they work in uh, Florida or they work in Texas now can't go to Nevada the next day. So all those top tier fights, I mean, you're, you're going to lose. You're going to lose a lot of a lot of uh, top level judges. Now, when you now you guys thought it was bad. Now, wait till those top level judges aren't there anymore and you're getting worse scores. Fuck the scoring so fucked up. Well, you guys brought it upon yourself. The media all complaining about this. You guys should have just complained about the one, which majority of them did complain about the one person. Get rid of the one person, man. That that's the problem. What? Why are we licensing this one? Why change it for all the other good judges and refs? Get rid of the one person. You know, I mean, I don't. This well, this to me is. Off, a, it, hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna side with the media here. Media has nothing to do with getting rid of a person. That's no, the they don't. Commissions. No, they don't. Athletic commissions need to look and say, are we being are we being as prudent and honest about someone's performances overall you know, throughout time? Yeah. You're, what's going to happen is they're really going to water down what they have going right now. Is that you the best ones travel because the best ones travel for a reason. They well, want them there. And they, a lot. Of, you know, let, let's be honest. You know, this is California. Yeah. So. It's saying that a judge or referee can't work a fight in California and then work somewhere else or can't work somewhere else and then in California. But California brings people in, you know, all the time. You know, you're talking about judges. They're bringing in Derek Cleary. They're bringing in Sal D'Amato. You know, referees, Blake Grice, you know, all the different guys that they're bringing. Now, they have good referees and stuff that live in California, but... Now you're saying that you're putting those referees, you're putting Herb Dean, you're putting Jason Herzog, you're putting Mike Beltran into a position now where, oh, I now have to choose. Mm-hmm. I get one. I can't do both. Can I ask you Unless a it's Nevada. Can what? can I can I go can I can can they work on say Friday in California 
and then go work somewhere else the next night. It's not up. They're not working their shows in California now. You don't have any say what I do the next day. I cannot answer. I cannot answer that question because it hasn't been put out here as far as do you do they then say, oh, you broke our rule. Now you're suspended or now we're going to sit you down. Because I mean, I if, the, if the other, if the, uh, if I understand, if you don't want me to come in from Florida, Connecticut, New York, wherever, and then work a California show, I get it, fine. But you're telling me now I can't go after I've worked my show on Friday that I can't go work another show on Saturday somewhere else. If that state doesn't care that I do it, why? Like it should be none of your business. Yeah. You know, I mean these these refs, judges, they all need to make money. And they don't get paid a lot. I mean, I remember you telling me it's sometimes eight hundred dollars up to fifteen hundred bucks. Now you yourself was getting paid a little bit more because you're, you know, no, big I wasn't. John, big no, John, I was not. Stop, big John, uh-uh. big bullshit. John. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're you're putting lies. John didn't make any more than John made the same amount for doing whatever fights there were. You know, if mm-hmm. I did four or five fights and I did the main event, I made the same amount as the guy that just did one preliminary fight Interesting. same unless it was a championship fight uh in the main event then i got more and then even as it went on later on you made the same same amount never changed interesting, interesting. did you get paid more when you went overseas to like russia yes and- why yes. do you think i went to russia all the time <laughs> you're a brave man i'm a brave man and you know what <laughs> it's all about they paid money so yeah yep i made a made a huge difference that's why, look at and this rule right here. I can't tell you exactly how many times, but I would say that at least 10 times in my career, I went from Russia to California from a Friday to a Saturday to do two different shows. Did it all the time. Really? Is that even yeah. possible to make that What's flight that? and get there? Is that even possible to make the flight and get there? Absolutely, it's possible. Jeez. <laughs> Thank God that the the world rotates that way. That's why you're it a million miler. That's, that's why you're it. a million miler. Um, I, this is not going to make things better, and this is really just uh, this is just to, to kind of please the media and to please people. Let's just unlicense him, or just make him, or put him to the D leagues, put him down, you know, in smaller shows until he figures out, you know, um, how he can learn to make better choices in life. He's got, it's really what it comes down to. He's got to learn how to visually see and judge and put it down on paper what what he's watching i don't understand i don't get it so and what's crazy to me john is that this is not even like his worst weekend it just became a big deal but this is not even his worst weekend that he's had so many bad calls so many bad decisions so many bad like what like what fucking fight were you watching you know so anyways uh i don't think it's going to help anything it's only going to hurt the level of people we have. I am interested to find out on how it will work. If you can work there and then work somewhere else on Friday and then work somewhere else on Saturday, or if it only applies for you to come into California, like on a Saturday, you can't work that show. Interesting to see. We'll find out. We will see. All right, next. All right. We have a fight announcement. Oh, um, Oh, that's a good fight. You see 286 and it's Marvin Vittori versus Roman Deluzzi. John, we actually we actually talked about this the other day, and they, yeah, I'm, I'm sure Mick Maynard was listening to our podcast. He he sort of I shouldn't say this, he sort of following me on social media. I'm like, yeah, hey Mick, what's up, big dog? What's up, baby, I've met him a couple of times, and we've never really like hung out or anything. But he seems like a nice guy, and I've heard a lot of great things from managers about him on how nice. good of a guy he is. Super nice guy. Um, but yeah, this is this is going to be a good fight. 
this is going to be a great fight. I'm I'm pretty pumped for it to be honest. I got you know, and you really got to give it up for uh, Marvin Vittori in this because where's Delice sitting as far as the rankings? I think he's up there now, like number six is, or eight. Is he up six there? Six or eight? No, eight. Yeah. eight. eight? Yeah, six or eight. Yeah, eight. Okay, so all right, he's in the top ten. So Vittori's at four. Delize is at eight. Okay, yeah. it makes yeah. sense. I think this is a great matchup. I think I think Vittori has his advantages in this, and I think there's things that Delise does. He's got advantages. It's a great middleweight fight. I would like to have seen Paula Costa in him. In Delize or Delize? Yeah, Delize in him. Isn't isn't Costa supposedly going to be fighting Whitaker? Supposedly again. Supposedly. All right. Well, we're going to see. Maybe not. We're going to see. We're going to see. But Delizzi and Vittori makes for a fun fight. Vittori's going to try to get that takedown. I don't know if he's going to be able to. And Delizzi's going to be letting the hands go. Fucking some heavy, heavy leather. Should be fun. This should be fun. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped for this fight. Because stylistically, they match up very well. But I also thought Cannoneer and Strickland matched up well. We saw a very conservative <laughs> well, fight. So this yeah, fight here do. is... Uh, could potentially leave a little bit of meat left on the bone at the end, want, desiring to want more. Yeah, but if I, I think Delizzi just doesn't have it in him to fight. Not, I don't want to say fight smart, but to fight conservative. He fights aggressive the whole time. He's a fighter. He comes out and wants to get it done. And Vittori is the same way. So I'm looking forward to that fight. These two should yeah. just meet in the middle and let the fireworks happen. It's going to be a great fight. It's gonna be is awesome. it a main event, though? D Dave, do you know if it's a main event? They didn't say. No, it's not the main event, I'm sure, because it's UFC 286, so there's going to be a title fight on there, probably. Oh, yeah, that's that's right. If it's if it's a numbered UFC, it definitely is going to yeah. have a title fight, so yeah, stuff like that. Um, Where's 286 at? Way down the road. Yeah, that's pretty far. Boo, boo, 284 is Islam Bulk. 285 is to be decided. 86 is probably So it'll be in April. I want to go to Australia, March man. 18th. I want to go to Perth. Oh, March 18th? Whoa, hold it. There's hold two it. that month. There's no way they're doing it. Are they? You got to be it's kidding what, me. They're going to. The, no, there, there's going to be. 286 is in London. And so and March is in Vegas. So, and sorry, uh, 85 is in Vegas. So it's, so it's probably just to do with the, the different countries. Wait, two what? weeks apart, they're asking for people to see. That's just not that bright. What's that? What? Anytime you spend put money? pay-per-views on the same month, two weeks uh -huh. apart. Uh -huh. You're asking people, for the most part, to choose. Yeah. You know, not everyone can sit there and put out that kind of money twice. And so they're saying, oh, yeah, but you have your friend do it. It's like, that's <laughs> the way it works, man. It's just crazy. <laughs> One a month, and you're asking people, okay, it's tough, but people will do it. When you're doing two pay-per-views two weeks apart, I don't know. Not, in my opinion, Smart business, but again, when you have a five hundred thousand guarantee, it doesn't matter. Well, John, um, just a reminder: we normally get paid more when we do our podcast on pay per view weekends, so I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> if we could have two a month wow. for the whole year, let's go! Wow, <laughs> I can't believe you just went. There. Oh, I went there. I went there. I'm looking forward to that Islam and Volk fight, though, man. There's there's a lot to be desired in that fight because as much as I think that Islam's going to walk through him. Volk is just one of those guys, man, that kind of leaves you thinking, what if? What did if he you, does this? Did what you if see the picture that? that Volk had of, uh, you know, his knee? It had, it had Makachev's face on it. It, uh, almost did it. it almost did look like it had a little smiley face on his knee. <laughs> I did see the face. I he goes, this is, it. yeah. 
But I have a question. I mean, does he plan? He can't even reach fucking Makachev's face with his fucking <laughs> knee. What the fuck? Uh, what is maybe he like? Be, five? Maybe, what is he? Maybe, five five? Yeah, maybe it'll be Jeez. an illegal one as Makachev's trying to take him down. <laughs> I don't think he's gonna. I think he's gonna realize how fucking smaller he is than fucking Islam when he gets in there. Uh, there you go. Yeah, Look it's, a, it's a funny. It's yeah. funny. That's your belt's great. got my name on it. My knee's got your face on it. Take a look at that thing. That's awesome. <laughs> look at that. That's fucking great. That's fucking the best. That's great. Uh, and the way he, he flexes has... it, it looks like yeah. it, at the top part, his top muscle, the yeah, little one that goes over the top of the kneecap, it yeah, fucking, it's so great. It looks like one. Of, it looks like Islam's wearing the uh, papuka thing or whatever it's called. <laughs> That thing as it does on his knee. That's pretty cool. Though. That's right. That's fine. I love that. I love when I love when fighters have fun like that. Dude, like, that's he's not being disrespectful. Funny. He's being no. Fun. That's fun. That's, that's funny. Great. That's great. Yeah. Next, Dave. Next. All right. Let's wrap up on this one right here. TJ Dillashaw um, talks about regrets from um, from kind of his career, and he says it going to one twenty five because of the weight cut and obviously the decisions that he made. Um, th- that you know was the biggest regret for him was was going down to twenty five. So just wanted to get your thoughts on like you know the overall coming down and weight, thinking that you're gonna you know step up and 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 then the the hurdles that come with that. Yeah. Well, I think uh, let let's be honest about this. When when TJ was making that choice, I I thought and I said, man, that's just too far to go down. You're you're losing too much. Your chin will end up being less because you're going to be super dehydrated you know trying to make that weight and then you're going to put the weight back on but it's not enough because the cells change and you don't want to do that and that's exactly what occurred and it occurred in a multi-stage for tj in this that weight cut changed his metabolism it changed who he was as a as a fighter and it's hard to explain to people this is why going down all, you know, people go, Oh, he should drop weight classes. Not everyone can drop weight classes and perform their body stops uh, reacting the same way. It stops doing things. It's just not that natural flow that they have when they're a weight class above or two above. And TJ ended up having serious issues off of that weight cut. Not only the fight itself, which was bad for him. He lost that to Henry Cejudo and, take nothing away from Henry in that win. Henry did exactly what he was supposed to do. He got the win. Uh, nice knockout in the first round. But it was even after that fight, TJ had problems based upon everything he did to try to get himself down to that weight class. And it took him a long time. And, and he, you know, I think he's trying to say that, look, I ended up doing things that I shouldn't have done based upon the way I was feeling. Okay. You know, I can understand if you say it's a regret. It's a regret. And, and it led to other uh, thought processes and decisions that you now regret based upon that one. Yeah, he's being honest. Yeah. It doesn't make an excuse. Mm-hmm. That's not an excuse for him. But it, it's understandable that that's a big regret. But the drop to 125, I think he would have been better going up to 145. Yes. Um, absolutely he would have performed way better yeah and what you're seeing is and i think the proof is in the pudding kind of thing like you look at guys that are tweeners you got george masvidal you've got rda they've had success at 170 now maybe they're not going to be champion but they've they've had some they've had some great success at going up in weight and they're not big guys 
Like, you know, George is tall, kind of carries the weight well because he is tall. RDA's just got, like, thick legs and ass, you know, broad shoulders. But he's not a tall guy. He's, like, 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, no. He's not a tall guy. Uh, he's just got, he's got thick legs. He's got a thick trunk. You know, he's a, and he's a gamer, man. He's a fucking fighter. And so that's why they had the success going up. Uh, Benson Henderson had success going up to 170. You remember when he beat Brandon Thatch? Yep. Um, you know, he, he had he had some wins at 170. Um, just it, it's hard for them, though, uh, to make a choice. Sometimes going down, I think all the time going down is not better. And based on the fact that, like, you think you're going to be bigger, but you're also going to change. Like you said, your body's going to change when you lose that much weight. I didn't cut a lot of weight as a fighter. I cut between anywhere between 20, sorry, 18 to 20 pounds at the most, you know. And, but to me, that wasn't a lot of that wasn't a lot of weight after hanging around with all the daggies. Once you hang out with the daggies, you realize you're not cutting very much weight. These guys are cutting from a lot, man. Um, but they, when it comes down to, I would, that week of fight, like I would cut slowly, you know, throughout the week to get me down to, you know, the weight, the, the way I need to be at weigh-ins. But John, those two days before I was lightheaded, I didn't cut as much as these other guys. I was wondering how they got around. I mean, it's dangerous. It really is. If you're not doing it properly. It's dangerous, lightheaded, people having to walk each other. I remember watching Gleason Tebow. He had to be walked from the from the sauna to the weigh-ins. His no two way. coaches were walking How him. How many was, guys? It was like, what are you doing, man? You know, he's just so Guys big. being carried. Yeah. Carried yeah. to the weigh-in. And Can't so even I get see. up on their own feet to step on the scale. They got to wait. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then it's when crazy. I see them, I'm like, damn. And so when he has a regret going to 125, it's a, it's a it's a definitely a understandable regret. Um, in terms of whatever he did outside of that to get to 125, or because of how he felt, or whatever it was, what it was, and I and and I like TJ. Um, I think he was a fantastic fighter. Whether he was using the stuff or not, I think he was a fantastic fighter. All those things, sure, they help you with your cardio. They help you with you know you can train more, so you can learn more. But he still had to put in the work. Let's not be mistaken. You know, I feel the same way about Anderson Silva. He's a cheater. But he still had to put in the work. Fantastic fighter. Great, great fighter. Just a cheater. You know, and um, it didn't change the fact that they still learned the techniques. They still learned how to use them and use them in the cage in live situations. It wasn't like they were just on the mitts looking flashy. So TJ, they're still fantastic fighters. I think a lot of his injuries, and people kind of shot me and like were trying to murder me in the comments about this i think a lot of his injuries now john was because he was using what happens is when you use from what i understand is that you your body builds muscle faster than it's supposed to it's it's getting stronger in certain areas and when you get off it's not able to hold up to what that is doing so then you're still trying to train like as if you were on the stuff and then your body just does, can't do it anymore and so that's how you end up with knee injuries and shoulder injuries. And you've built all these strong tendons when you were using all the stuff, ligaments, tendons, and muscle. You're building the muscle faster than your body really should be building it. And so when you go out there and try and do it when you're not on it, it's not the same. Your body can't handle it. You're training hard. You're still thinking that you're, that stuff helps you retain water, which helps your body repair. What happens is when you use, your body retains the water and the water helps your muscles repair so you can train even faster. All of this stuff makes sense. If he, in his injuries, I think came from his extent, from his use of whatever it was. You know, what I mean, and it can't be not like I don't want to say it's not true, or that it is true, but it's 
You had fighters from Alpha Male. I mean, like, uh, what's his, Cody Carbon was talking about how he was using way back when he was at Alpha Male. It's sad, man. It really is because he was so damn good. TJ had the mm-hmm. desire to be the best no matter what, whether he was using or not. He had, oh, yeah, he had the desire. Yeah. No and doubt. a lot of that, that's a lot of that got the better of him because he was having such success. That's why he went to 125 and tried to challenge himself when he should have went to 145. Just, I think, because it was Henry Cejudo, Olympic gold medalist, and, you know, the guy who beat DJ, all those things, that kind of resonated more for him. You know, and then they were talking about getting rid of the division at the time. So that sparked the fire of, like, hey, maybe I'll just stay at 25. But if you looked at him, John, when he was at 135, and then you looked at him at 125, he looked just depleted. Like, his face, his stomach, it was like, he didn't look like the same person. No. he looked good at 35. For him to go to 45, I mean, if he had just taken the time to build the muscle on a little bit properly and, and lift it a little bit, and I think he would have been a fantastic fighter at 45. Fantastic I, fighter. I do, too. It, we, and you, you got to look and say, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't strength that made TJ who he was. Mm-hmm. It was elusiveness. Exactly. It was speed. It was, you know, that those things made him difficult to handle. That wasn't going to change going up to featherweight. It would only intensify. You know, yeah, so. He would have been the faster fighter. That's yes. the thing. Like that's Dominic Cruz made such a career. He wasn't a strong guy. You could tell. He wasn't a strong guy. He was just elusive. The speed, the 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 ability to hit his mark and his target from get different in directions. Out. Yeah, get so. in and out. Like all of those things. I mean, that that was he was not you know, strong. You, even you can take a look at Dominic Cruz now. You know, and he, he's lost his last, you know, fight against Cheeto, but it was exactly he, he was doing well with Cheeto Vera. <laughs> Speed has become a little bit different. He's not. I mean, and it's it's so small of a degree, but it makes a difference. It makes a difference in you being able to get away with getting out the way that you're going and not yeah. that kick. You being a little slower, it lands flush. That kick, you being a little bit flash, a little bit faster. It just grazes and slides by. And that's the difference of you staying in that fight and saying, oh, I'm not going to do that again. Little mistake. But the speed got you out. This is what happens. You know, speed's a big thing. And he would have been really fast at featherweight. At, at, you know, flyweight, you're going in the wrong direction to gain speed. Yeah, the other thing is that you're you're going in the wrong direction against somebody who's a Olympic gold medalist. He's a gamer. He's somebody that mentally can't be broken. He's been there. He's been there at the highest level, competing on the biggest stage. You know, he, he beat DJ. It was a great fight. Like, these are all fights. Is, like, he's been there, done that. Like, you know, and it, what you're saying, is, it was so funny because I, I look at what people are saying as his fight is getting closer to being made with Al Jermaine. And, and what people are saying about Henry, oh, look, he's fat. He's this and that. I go, dude, you guys are making a huge mistake. Yeah. This is a guy that knows exactly who he is, what he needs to do, and where he needs to be, and he will get there because mm-hmm. he's done it his entire life at the highest level. Yeah. You know, don't don't yeah. look at oh he's heavy now. I don't care. Yeah, my concern is the long layoff, which kind of bothers me a little bit because he's going to lose that that fight pace timing. But Aljo also doesn't fight at an extremely fast pace. He does in that first round. He's got a lot of movement and stuff, but he's going to have to be very, he's going to have to be very careful. Um, with, let's be with honest, Cejudo. he cannot he cannot out wrestle Cejudo. 
No. Okay, now he could make, he could end up in the grounded position and he could, you know, get into a scramble and catch Henry in, in a scramble, you know, lock, locking on a submission or anything like that. But he ain't going to out-wrestle him. He's not going to just be taking him down. And in the stand-up, Henry's yeah. pretty goddamn good now. Yeah. It's yeah, the the stand up really kind of gives some fight. currents for for Aljo. I think it's a really tough fight for Aljo if he can't get him down. And the chances of changes him down. It. He's he's gonna have to shoot, then try to pull him into guard, and then try to get some sort of sweep somewhere along those lines, or chase an arm, or chase an ankle lock, something along those lines. He's gonna have to chase. But he's somebody that's used to being on the back. He's used to being able to get to the the body lock and then wiggle his yep. way to the back and then get the hooks in. Mm-hmm. I think it's gonna be pretty hard to do against uh yeah, not I mean, he can't do it, but it's not no, easy. Exactly. I'm not saying he can't do it. Um, go to WayneAndMerch.com, pick up. Uh, oh, by the way, John. Yes. I'm so Talking glad that we're wrapping this right in time for the fucking finals of the World Cup. I cannot wait. Starts in God, about 20 minutes. Hell yeah. I watched uh, I watched uh, for third and fourth place yesterday, uh, Morocco versus Croatia. What a game. What a game, John. What a game. You, you How know? many flops were there? It doesn't fucking matter. The game was that fantastic. Crazy. First two goals. First two goals happened like within like three minutes of each other. Had both Good. of them were headers. Fantastic, man. It's so so insane to watch. And then today you got Argentina. See if Messi's going to win his first World Cup. That is against France. France. See if they can repeat. France is good. They're good. They got a lot of injuries. They got a lot yeah. of injuries, but they're good. Yeah. Um, you know. Let's see if Messi can take over, which I've seen him we'll do in see. games. France is a lot bigger than them. Yeah, well, a lot bigger than look Argentina. It, if you're going to be honest, you know, I would be running into Messi a lot. He's not a big guy. No, he's not. <laughs> yeah. There's like there's stories about him that he was But he's tough. He was small as a kid and that yeah. um that his his parents put him on growth hormone. I think it's public. I mean, I'm going to look it up. Dave, Dave, can you look that up real quick? I think his parents had put him on some growth hormone when he was a kid to make him grow a little bit. Okay. Yeah. It didn't work. But <laughs> <laughs> I believe it was something like that. Yeah. Someone if, is, HDH? Yeah, HDH, yeah. Lionel yeah. Messi and HDH yeah. as a kid. Human yeah. growth hormone? Well, they, yeah, they, yeah. they do that you know, around the world for kids that are... I'm serious. That's a norm, dude. That is back when growth hormone became... What it, mm. Did you even know where growth hormone comes from? Where it originally came from? Now there's a synthetic. But back when it was first... Didn't they know, come from like deer... Or deer antlers or some shit. Yeah, and this is where (laughs) growth hormone comes from. From the pituitary gland, you have a pituitary gland in the back of your brain. Got it. So they would take cadavers and remove the pituitary gland and process it and grind it up, and that's how they came up with growth hormone. But it was very difficult to get, based upon you know, you know how small it is, and so how many bodies you need to do it and stuff. And so the the real problem was it was put out there in the beginning for kids that had growth problems that doctors were starting to, you know, put it with those kids to help them grow more. Well, then bodybuilders found out about it. And this was when they said, oh, and so they started getting doctors to give it to them. Then there was no supply of it. And you and then they started going and they started taking monkeys, rhesus monkeys, the closest oh, thing. Jesus. And they would take the pituitary gland. <laughs> Dude, this is all crazy shit, but they did this shit. And the fucking bodybuilders were starting to take that. You watch some of them, they have this their their forehead started to actually grow and protrude. They have this big old ledge over their eyes and stuff. You go, You were taking that fucking monkey shit. <laughs> you know? That's 
fucking crazy, man. Fucking nuts. But Tom. that's what people will do when it comes to I want to win. Power lifters, bodybuilders, that's how it all started. Finally, they came up with a synthetic for it. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was a normal thing. That's not like his parents did anything that was like, ooh, that's crazy. That was a normal thing. I'm sick right now, John, and I, I don't even take like NyQuil, DayQuil. I don't take any of that shit. You should. That shit will run its course. I'll I like honest. DayQuil. I, I'll do good. I'll juice. I'll do like Man, kale and garlic. So you're, you're juicing. I'll juice. You're juicing right there. Yeah. You admitted it. <laughs> <laughs> like kale, garlic, you know, some yeah, bok choy. Yeah, all that. So I'll just juice, man, for a garlic. couple of days. Yeah, garlic you have is to good put for garlic. you. Garlic and ginger, 100%. Garlic is one of the best things there is. Absolutely. Like, if you have a sore throat, the best thing to suck on is garlic. Nope. Yeah, it gets rid of your sore throat. Yeah. Nope, best Bro. thing to suck on Ricola. Ricola. Mm -hmm. What? What'd you say, Dick? Cook it? No, you juice it. No, you juice it. You just grind it. You just put it in the thing and you juice it and it goes into the juicer. So you do I use kale. Kale, spinach, I do a little bit of cilantro, some garlic, ginger, and you always put an apple or a carrot because it gives a little sweetness to it. Fucking it's great, man. Flushes the shit out of you too, by the way. Literally flushes the shit out of you. Um But I'm I'm excited, man. We got the uh the final start in about fifteen minutes. So you're out of here. TV. I'm out of here, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit in my room because I'm sick as a dog and just sit there in bed and watch them. So I'm not doing shit today. <clears throat> I'm a, I'm, a hot, I'm a hot mess, man. But I'm um, moving pigs, baby, moving pigs. <laughs> you're fucking crazy. All right, guys. Well, hey, want to thank you guys so much. Just remember, on Christmas morning, we are dropping the AJ McKee interview, and then the following week, we've got the Juan Archuleta interview coming no, up. Sorry. Oh, the, 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 this coming midweek show is one hour later. Oh, okay. Christmas. So, so Juan's first. Juan's first. Okay. Yeah. So Juan is first. So Juan, Juan is first. first, and then on Christmas Day, AJ McKee, because we are covering, covering, Ooh. and promoting, yeah, promoting <laughs> the uh, Ryzen versus Bellator show on New Year's Eve. I love that. That's I cannot funny. wait for that. And then go to WayneandMerch.com, pick up some of our sweaters. We've got new apparel all out, new designs. Check it out, man. We've got our old design. We've got our new designs. Check them all out. Let us know what you think when you guys order them. Post a picture of yourself wearing them so we can retweet it, repost it, all those things. And look, to be honest, we want to be very, very appreciative of how you guys support us and uh, share our content to everybody out there. If you guys um, have something for us, um, let us know in the comments because I read them. And I'd love to talk about whatever you guys have uh, up there. So especially right now through the holidays, try to get some more fan engagement for you guys. And uh, we appreciate you guys a lot. John, take us away. Last thing I want to say before we go off. Look, people, UFC is done for the year. There is a big show on New Year's Eve. And I want to say that there's going to be a person missing from that show. And it is Lenny Hart. Lenny Hart <sighs> has been the voice of, she was the voice of pride. She was that crazy screaming woman who introduced the fighters in such a classically strange way that it made it special she had vocal cord surgery and stuff she had a she had a problem so she's not going to be there i want to tell her lenny i hope that you get better soon can't wait to hear you again see you back take the time that you need to get better we're gonna miss you we love you and for everyone else out there watch on New Year's Eve, even though Lenny's not going to be making the calls, which does make it really cool. It does. Watch that show, and we will see you.